Hello and welcome back to Heartwork, the podcast all about love, relationships, dating, and the work of the heart. My name is Tom Lloyd and I'm just so happy that you're here. I hope you've been enjoying the first few episodes here. It's been such a pleasure to release them out into the world, and we've been getting some really nice feedback from them, so keep it coming. And to keep this thing getting kicked off right, I got another amazing guest here for you, and he is a magical being to me. He seems magically connected to my heart, too. He's a free spirit, he leads with love, and he is always showing me new perspectives and possibilities of what love is. His name is Riss Gumpert, and I first met him through one of my really good friends, but he's just been a friend over the years. He's become a friend. I run into him all over the place in our area of town in Brooklyn, and most notably at the gym. We usually end up stopping our workouts to just chat about who we're dating, what's going on, have a nice kiki, and we talk about the heart. It's awesome. And I'll also run into him on the street or on a bike. He's offered me side work in the past. I've helped him with performances. We just get each other in some way. Our hearts are connected. We run into each other through mutual friends and it's always so good to see this juicy heart. And when I think about Riss, I really do think of someone who inspires me to open myself to new possibilities of what love can look like because he so casually and seemingly confidently exists in paradigms of love that are not the norm. And he's really good at talking about it too. He's the first queer person on this show and he's also the first single person on this show as well as the first person from New York City on this show. And for all of those reasons and so many more, I am excited to share him with you. So let's get down to the heart of it. Here is Riss Gumpert. Hi. Hi, how are you? Yeah. I'm doing good. Woo. What's Brooklyn like? It's fine. I actually just got back from a bike ride. I went into the city. I was just in like the East Village. And it was like kind of dead. It's, it's really sad. I'll get into it in this in the like interview part, unless this is also part of the interview part. But I don't know. It's just like a giant reset button for humanity. Well, we like, can let's we can jump into it. Yeah, if let's you want. do it. Let's do it. Yeah. So you're like you're my third interview, by the way, and you are like my first queer person that I'm intru- like. So I'm like really excited. That's great about that. And I feel like I've just gotten this pod, this idea that I just feel like, like even when I run into you at the gym, we end up talking about love and relationship stuff because it's like all I want to talk about. And I feel like it's like people want to hear about it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, I don't know. I'm just like very intrigued about it. So the first question is, how do you want to be framed? You can't be seen on a podcast. Like, I'm Riss. I live in Brooklyn. I'm a performer and artist and human in the world. (laughs) I guess I'm a small business owner, but that's just like such a small part of my life. Yes. Riss Gumpert, performer, artist, small business owner, human storm. (laughs) Human storm. Human (laughs) storm. That's my gender that's my sexuality 
just kind of a little bit of everything, a storm. I love that. Next question is, because I feel like it's important to share just like how we know each other a little bit. Oh yeah, I have a fun story about us meeting for the first time. Um, I only knew you, I knew you through Jay and, and Dave, and I didn't know anything about you other than you were from Minnesota and that you were gee. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I mean, granted, like by now, pretty much everyone in that group has come out as some form of queer. But at the time, I was, like, freshly out as trans and, like, struggling to adapt in groups of mostly hetero people. And, I don't know, I met you at David's wedding, or one of David's many weddings. (laughs) (laughs) Love parties, as they're called. Uh Uh-huh. And, yeah, I don't know, like, the the theme of the, the love party was sparkles and everyone wearing sparkles. And you were just wearing this, like, brilliant coat with tails that was sparkly yes and i don't know it and then we like talked and i found out that you were like a costume person for a theater in minneapolis and i'm like yay an artiste and i also like struggled to find common ground in groups of people that like have nine to fives i like struggle to find common ground with people who like have just like regular work and regular lives i'm like all right cool a queer who makes things let's get into it so i don't know i just got a really good sense from you and then it was not too long after that that i mean you came back to new york a couple times and not too long after that you moved here and it's been great and we go to the same gym often and that's that's a blessing i agree it is a blessing my first i think that's i was thinking about it that's not where i thought that i first met you but that's great i that i want i never have actually been a costume person but i i stole that costume from the theater that i was working okay so you were specifically a costume person but you worked in a theater and had access to yeah but i was working for this like punk theater that had like all these like crazy ridiculous costumes so I took that for the wedding but I was thinking about it and I was like what is my first memory of Riss and I have like a similar trajectory only it was like I was just thinking about it and it was like I feel like I had seen you or met you and then somebody told me that you were like you had you had dreads at the time back when white people could have dreads yeah <laughs> i mean could they ever have dreads i don't know but they did no but we all make mistakes <laughs> we all make mistakes you had dreads and then they were like some people were like you live in a punk house in brooklyn with like 10 or 14 people and i was like that's am- i had like an image of you living in this punk house which is a familiar image from minneapolis and i was like oh they're from like the new york chapter of all of the people that I know here. So I just felt like a a kinship in that way. And then I remember a time when you were first coming out as trans and like Jay and all the people had like told me that. It was like this big, it felt like like when trans was new, even though it's not ever been new, Mm -hmm. but it was, do you know what I mean? Like when it was really starting to like- When it was a little more on people's radars. When it was a little bit more on people's radar. They're like, be extra sensitive, blah, 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 blah. I was like, okay, okay, whatever, you know. And I remember, I don't know if this is actually true. Well, I can't, I can't remember how I knew this, but I feel like you said, you're the exact type of boy I want to be to me. Oh! 
And I was like, I was like, so struck by that. I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing something right. <laughs> Which I thought was really cute. That is sweet of me past me. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know if that's true anymore, but you know, it's like, it was very cute at the time. I mean, it's still true. You're like zen as fuck and have a lot of cool things going on. So yeah, totally still want to be you. But also I have me and I don't, not that I ever hated me, but like I've definitely grown into myself and I still have like, I definitely have like role models for masculinity and you're definitely one of them. So Aww, that's so sweet. There we go. <laughs> so sweet. Um, and yeah, I, I also would, would um, piggyback on, it's like so wonderful to run into you at the gym, like two queers. In the most masculine place. It's like the most masculine place. And it really makes me feel like at home in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. I feel like to just like run into another queer person at the gym and like kiki about whatever's going on slash life. Boys. <laughs> yeah, boy. Yeah, just whatever. And so um, when I think about like someone who's adept at like love, especially in a non-traditional way, I feel like you're like at the top of the list. It's like, <laughs> so I'm really excited to hear what you have to say about all this stuff. So where is your heart at today? Like if you could have like a meter or something like looking at your heart and where it's at today, like just like a check-in, where's it at? Well, we are at a very interesting time in humanity to say the least, but I spent the, like, it's now Friday. And for anyone who's listening to this in the future, um, Monday is, I, I live in Brooklyn and Monday is when, like corona shutdown 3.0 happened like basically Mm -hmm. like all the bars closed all the restaurants closed except for takeout whatever basically like the city is pretty quiet right now and there's like some people who are freaking out and some people who are like still leaving their house i'm like somewhere in the middle (laughs) (laughs) um i'm definitely only leaving the house when i need to and if i am it's like on bike but yeah, there's there's this whole like, oh my God, things are ending, like the world is ending, things will never be the same, when are we just going to be stuck in our houses forever? But also there's like, yeah, there's like this giant reset button on humanity and we have the chance to, because basically like it's been unveiled for lack of a better word that we don't exist individually, that we like humanity literally needs itself to breathe. And like, that's kind of beautiful. We need each other. Like we really, really, really need each other. And, and it hasn't quite been shown this aggressively before. Um, and also capitalism can't survive without the labor of people. And it, it's, it's so not interesting because it's also terrifying. And also like people are dying and it's really, it's bad. I don't want to say that this is like a good time because it's scary and uncertain. People are dying. People are losing money and losing work and having to support their families. And it's all very scary and uncertain. So I'm not saying it's like a good time, but it is, it is, um, if you, look at it a different way if you put a different spin on it it is kind of like revealing our interconnectedness and so i'm just at this place and i'm also at this place where like for the past two months i've very intentionally been not dating like completely celibate 
and that um, I've been getting a lot of really great platonic intimacy from my close friends. And now that that's sort of been taken away because we're not allowed to even touch each other. So I like couldn't really like fuck anyone if I wanted to. I couldn't like fall in love if I wanted to right now because we're not allowed to (laughs) see each other in public. So it's like, it's interesting where my heart's at today because I feel really hopeful. I feel like really, really, Mm. really full of hope because maybe once this thing clears up, once it, once it ends or tapers off or whatever it's going to do, like maybe this time will have given people a chance to think about things. And like, I don't know, who are we? Like granted, like, yes, healthcare workers, people who work in grocery stores, people who work in pharmacies, people who work for transportation authority, like all of those people are still working, but so many people are like home and spending time with their families, even if they're working from home. And what do we look like when so much has been taken away from us? Like what, who are we when we're not like working and running around all the time? Like who are we when we have this free time and nothing to do and nowhere to go? But that's, you know, a very long answer of where my heart's at today. I'm like, part of me is unsure and like a bit scared, but like most of me is kind of filled with hope about what's going to happen in the future. Cool. I love that. I feel that my heart is in a somewhat similar space. I was kind of sharing with you earlier that I have been exhausted and I feel like, yeah, it's Friday. Monday was lockdown 3.0 in New York City. And I literally like took a train in the middle of the night on Sunday night because I didn't want to be there for lockdown 3.0. And it's been five days, but I feel like I'm just starting to be able to think, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just yeah, start. Totally. Like I feel people are like, oh, I'm going crazy. I don't have anything to do. I'm like, who are you? I? Am, I have tons of stuff to do still. Like there's tons of emails and things. I'm just like, I'm just catching up on sleep after running the rat race of New York for four years. You know, it's like I'm, I'm. I saw something online the other day that was like we could be over with this in two weeks. And I was like, actually, I hope not (laughs) because I feel like this slowdown is so needed by everyone. And another thing that I just was like unpacking and literally like just unpacking here to like be here for a longer period of time. And I, been reading joseph campbell's uh the power of myth love that it's uh, have you read that book yeah it's so good it's so good and he talks about how you know myth has been this way that we understand ourselves spiritually and existentially over time and how in the last like 50 years it's really been breaking down and like we don't have myths that do this for us anymore because the world is changing so fast and the guy who's interviewing asks him what would myths look like if for the modern age and he's like i don't know we have to create them but i think that they would have to encompass a worldwide ideology we're at a point now where we need new myths that are about the world and i keep thinking about that with this slowdown it's like the world is all experiencing something together and that literally the entire world i don't think there's a corner this thing hasn't touched I know. And that's kind of beautiful, I think, even though it's, you know, it is drastic, but it's like, it gives my heart hope as well and peace in, in some way. So that's where I'm at. And this is, yeah, this is like definitely, this is a moment that we're all experiencing together for sure. Mm-hmm. 
But I, I don't know if you've felt that, seen that, I don't know if you've been experiencing this, but I feel like there's a lot of people that I've either dated or hooked up with that I'm like, that are kind of like reaching out to me in different ways. <laughs> like, right, like where it's kind of like, like where the, some of them are being like sweeter or more connected to me in some way because I feel like the world has changed. Maybe they're like reassessing some type of situation. I've, I've been finding that interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Cause yeah, like you're really gonna be mad at someone in the face of a global pandemic. <laughs> right. You're really gonna hang on to those resentments. Right, or like actually maybe I should have followed that more. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. just different, yeah, it's interesting. I'm all about if if it's a breakup, it's broken or whatever they say. It's called a breakup because it's broken. And I'm not super duper about getting back together with exes. And there have been all these memes about not texting your ex. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm really into that. I love staying friends with my exes, though. Like, me too. That's really important to me because it's like, even if it's like someone you've only... Like, all right, like an ex versus someone that you like hook up with, whatever. Like, I'm talking about like relationships with a uppercase R, with a capital R. Like, you have spent time, energy, you've been super vulnerable with them, you've shared a piece of your life with this person. Like, I think even if you change as a person, if they change as a person, it is like this person was significant. And I think that to not be friends with an ex. I mean, granted, if they're an abusive ex, fuck off. Don't talk to them, obviously. But like, or Absolutely. You know, do, do what you can to keep your distance. But if it was like an amicable or semi-amicable breakup, like, why not remain friends? It doesn't mean you have to like go get coffee every week, but just like, I don't know, the probably, this is maybe a question later, but like the most significant romantic relationship I've had in my life. Um, I don't know, I reached, I reached out to them because they're in like the, one of the vulnerable categories for COVID-19. And I'm like thinking about them all the time. And it's like, of course, of course you are. We're, we're friends. Like we dated for three years. We broke up and we spent maybe like six months not talking, which was kind of awkward because we were on the same flight. (laughs) We had planned a trip together when we were still dating and um, we ended up both going on the trip, but sitting on different seats in the airplane and staying in different places once we got there. But um, so we were in the same city on the same plane together at a part. So like and the that city was, was Berlin, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah which is like, Berlin. you know, a whole next level of. Yeah, exactly. Um, that was definitely my like little like poor person's version of Eat, Pray, Love was that trip to Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think this is interesting because there is a lot of, um, I think a lot of people like to do this, like, once we're done, I'm never talking to you again, we close the door, yada, yada. And my whole life, the universe has been moving me towards not that. You know, what the universe has been leading me towards is, especially in those super intimate relationships, regardless of, you know, how you look at that or frame it with the person is to keep is to maybe have some distance for a while to regain your space. But that these that when you invest in somebody to that to any level, they know you in a way that's helpful to you. Yeah, if that makes sense. Like makes a lot of sense. And they're a, a resource for love, I think. 
that's what i found yeah and they they might remind you of who you were at that time and you might have changed and whenever we change there are like good parts and bad parts of change you know yeah so i think that's i think that is notable yeah i feel like some people like to say that that's unhealthy what do you think about that what do i think about what staying friends with exes (laughs) yeah do you think it's unhealthy i mean people think it's unhealthy and i'm like i don't know i think it's actually pretty healthy i think you should go with what you think like if it's someone that you legit do not want to be friends with or someone that um kind of like if they make you feel unsafe if they like piss you off then yeah you don't have to be friends with them but also like if something is calling you to be friends with them like go for it i mean it's not a requirement but i personally enjoy being friends with exes just because why not i agree there are some that i don't speak to and same some it's logistical like they don't live in this country or whatever but some it's like they live in neighborhood over and i just prefer to not share space with them yeah okay but i do prefer i just kind of prefer to be friends with everybody (laughs) gemini (laughs) alert um (laughs) i prefer to be friends with everybody and not have there be awkwardness or any bad blood or anything like i i just people should just be civil and nice to each other but also like stay true to their feelings if they're not being heard that's a good way to put it i like that I feel for me, it's the same. It's like, I don't want to have any bad blood. And also there's just more to explore. Like if, especially if things end in a way where it's like, you just need to move on because you need something else. Mm -hmm. Like the person, like, it's just not working out anymore. There's no need to like cut this person out of your life completely. What happened with me in the two past relationships I've been in, one was for five months and one was for eight months. They weren't super duper serious, but neither of those people want to talk to me right now. And I'm kind of respecting it. I'm not reaching out to them or anything, but it was just kind of time to end things. They didn't feel right. And it felt like going on with the relationship would have been dishonest to them. Because uh-huh. I, for whatever reason, have I have like trouble falling in love these days. Like I used to have a crush on everyone and fall in love with everyone. And yes, I I'm attracted to everyone, not every single person, but like every single gender. <laughs> and so like I'm like oh, I think a lot of people are cute, but I don't know. For the past the past couple of relationships I've been in, I've ended them because I'm like I just don't like I I know that relationships take work. And I'm totally willing to put in that work when I feel like it's being reciprocated or when I feel ready in a way. Uh So I just haven't, things just haven't aligned. Why do you think that is? Because I'm in a place right now where where maybe I feel like you used to be. I feel like I love everybody right now. I mean, I'm really mostly attracted to males, to be honest. Mm -hmm. But like, I feel like I could fall in love with anybody right now. Why do you feel like that's changed for you? I am in love with someone <laughs> currently. Oh, okay. I'm in love with someone. Um, I'm in love with a friend of mine. And okay. my friend is so amazing. Just an amazing, charismatic, outgoing, artistic, bright, colorful person. Okay. And I haven't said anything because I'm worried to mess up the friendship. <laughs> So Ah. I'm at personally and also like this even though it's just a crush it hasn't been like acted upon 
the fact that I'm attracted to this person and like maybe have a chance just kind of not not to say that people have like qualities obviously everyone every single person is valid and every single person deserves love but I have tended to fall into relationships with people lately who I am for lack of a better term like their manic pixie dream boy like I you know produce a lot of shows I perform a lot I'm always active and I feel like I am there like social the I am these people's social connection and like I'm Ah. never I want to be mutually excited about someone that I'm dating you know I want to be like I want to I want to be going to events that this person has put on or is part of you know I want to I want to like mutually share art space or whatever I I want I want to be with someone that's like creatively doing things <laughs> creatively, uh-huh. that's creatively active and okay this is great I love this because do you feel like sometimes maybe you're this is what you're saying but I feel like especially in New York when I date people it's like I show them places that are like cool because I'm used to living in an artist like underground type way right and so the places that I naturally go, it's like they are unexpected to like, like let's just call them basic people. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know how to describe it, but it's like sometimes I feel like I am like, I don't want to say if it's like tokenized, but it's like I'm their access to this other life or like I'm living life not on the normal nine to five, mm-hmm. whatever. And, and so they, I show them some type of different way to live, even though ultimately they don't actually respect that way of living. Do you, does that make sense? Yeah. And like off the top, we're probably basic to someone else. You know? Oh, totally. I, <laughs> I totally, absolutely, absolutely. But I mean, I embrace the basicness also. Yeah, so, yeah, totally. So we're probably basically some of the, but yeah, I feel like that too. Like, like the last person I'm dating was like interested in kink stuff and I brought them to their first play party and. And then they were like, see ya. Uh, yeah. Or, I mean, not while we were dating, but I think they've like continued on that trajectory. Whereas I've gone to like less and less kink and sex parties since taking this break essentially. Uh-huh. And I know a lot of that break has to do with like my own self and how I like how I view myself and also like just the great amounts of work I've been putting into myself and also just like straight up textbook body dysphoria like gender dysphoria body dysmorphia like I'm trans guy haven't had top surgery you don't have to get any surgery to be trans you're trans if you say you're trans but I am a trans person who wants to have top surgery and like that really affects especially if I'm in like gay male space like gay male sex spaces I'm like not really seen I'm -hmm. not really taken seriously without top surgery what's up without top surgery or just in general intact I guess (laughs) mustache and tech but (laughs) Uh yeah and that's like been yeah, I, I go back and forth between like what set of genders I'm attracted to more. And I don't know. I don't ultimately know like who my next lover will be or like what genders, 
gender genders they'll encompass but it's like that has a lot to do with it is just like it's it's a lot of like me assuming how the world sees me because who knows like there could be like some woke gays at those party parties who like think I'm super hot but I just don't open myself to it because I just can't do that right now sounds like you're in a cocoon face a what phase? A cocoon phase. Yeah, I'm very much cocooning right You're now. You're like cocooning so that you can come up. Because you are getting top surgery, aren't you? I mean, like, soon, hopefully. I'm supposed to get it on April 20th. Oh, yeah, shit. The world is, like, crumbling. So maybe... Yeah, and I was... Oh, no. And I have a couple of friends who've had their surgeries moved. But, like, I mean, the thing is, like, a lot of stuff is getting moved. A lot of stuff is getting postponed, canceled, whatever. It's not about me. Like... Yeah. If I don't get the surgery on April 20th, I will get it at some point in the near future. I've waited like five plus years. It's not, it's just a little while longer. So it's like, also like my procrastinating ass could have made this, <laughs> could have made this appointment earlier and I didn't. So, uh-huh. um, and I know that it's not like a Band-Aid. It's not a pill that will make everything better, but it's like definitely something that will make me a lot more confident and hopefully open the channels to finding love because I don't know I've really been enjoying this time like it's been really great and especially like during this whole like quarantine situation it's been so nice I, I'll go to the grocery store and I'll see couples and like one of them is super psyched and I was like yay a can of beans yay shopping and the other one just has this look of abject terror in their eyes like this person <laughs> And I know I would be the one, I mean, I love grocery stores and I love food and I love food shopping, but like, I would probably be the one with abject terror being like, oh God, I have to spend time with this other person. But I don't know. I've, <laughs> I have been absolutely, totally in love and I regret nothing about those things, about those times. Cool. Even. So you have been in love, which that's awesome because not everybody has. What is that like for you? Can you describe what it feels like, what it looks like, metaphors? Like, because not, I, I still run into people who, who like don't believe in love or they haven't fallen in love and I feel so sad for them. Can I tell you about a very gay moment I had with of course. the person I was dating for three years? So at the time I lived in an apartment with my own bathroom and this bathroom had a bathtub and we were like taking a bath together and we had used um, one of those bath bombs from, from Lush. That's <laughs> okay. So no, it gets gayer. Um, <laughs> it, was, it turned the water pink and sparkly. Of course. And we were sitting in the bath or whatever like kind of cuddling each other and at the time that um relationship was open and we were sitting there in this pink sparkly bathtub water being like you know i don't really feel like seeing anyone else like, i don't feel like seeing anyone else either <laughs> so at that point in that sparkly bathtub on wilson avenue in bushwick we decided to be monogamous Oh, so I don't know. That was definitely like that was a super significant relationship in my life. Um, I like this idea. I don't know if this is what you would say, but this idea that love is a constant sparkly bath. Like, like being in love is is like being in a sparkly bath. That's warm. It's it's 
magical it's glittery it's and there's like an intense connection with a person and it's like is it is it love is it mutual obsession is it nre new relationship energy at that point we'd been dating for a few months though so Uh it was nre but yeah like you know people will say oh they've done studies this your brain looks the same way when you're first in love than like the then when you do cocaine or whatever and it's like yeah those those feels are there but to have something like healthy and sustaining and not just like oh we're super in love and we're gonna fuck all the time like that might be love to someone but um that for me has always sort of fizzled out and if if I've ever had a relationship that's based on just those things, then it ends up fizzling out. Uh-huh. Um, but so no, that's I- great. So I love that. This is a great image of like, I, and I haven't heard that acronym NRE, mm-hmm. new relationship energy. I love it because it's real. Like when you first meet someone, the chemistry is like, it's crazy. If you, you know, if you've ever fallen in love, it is crazy. But then I think love down the line does look a lot different. So what does, do you have a story of like what that looks like farther down the line, like true love? I think it helps to have common goals and things that you are mutually working towards. Yes, I love this answer. Whether that be like what your actual physical future looks like, like what, like, do you want to buy a house? Do you want to like move somewhere else? Do you want a new job? Like those little things, but also just like I ideologically, like what kind of people do you want to be? Like what kind of growth do you want to experience? And those don't necessarily have to be questions that you have the answers to, but just be open to each other's answers as they happen if that makes any sense at all it does make sense it reminds me of your answer to this reminds me of the bell hooks book what is it all about love is that what it's called have you read this book i haven't i haven't read any bell hooks unfortunately she's amazing now i think i i don't now would be a great time i remember my friend patrick was like you have to read this book he's like you'll put you'll put everything on post-its on the mirror, repeat it to yourself 10 times a day. And I was like, okay, I've got to read this book. My friend Christian gave me this book. Like the book was like, they were like, you are such a hard person. You have to read this book. And I read it and it's amazing. I think it's called All About Love. It's something like that. But in it, she's like, we don't have a definition of love. Like that's part of our problem as a society. And we need that. She's like, let's just define it. And so she defines it in the book as being... I would have to look up the exact meaning, but I think it's something about having someone's spiritual growth in mind. Like that's what love is actually like being in cahoots with somebody's sense of growth. And I think that's amazing. And I think I, I love that answer. And I think it's what you're talking about. I remember I was dating. I feel like that's what I'm looking for when I'm dating also right now is like, yeah, we can have this like great connection. Yeah. I can think you're hot. You can think I'm hot. But I think what I'm really looking for is do our goals in life work out ultimately? Are we going in the same place? Are we climbing the same mountain? And do I like your life? And do you like mine? Because if you don't, then there's no point in going the distance. Also, a big thing for me is do I like their friends? That's yes. a big it, indicator. Like if it's I huge. I like this person and I like hanging out with them but I cannot stand their friends, 
that's a that's like a bunch of people that I'm gonna have to spend a lot of time with so I should like them at least a little bit Two, what does it say about this person you're dating if the person people they choose to hang out with the most are people you can't stand like what yes or if they just don't even bring you around their friends yeah like, red flag like, uh-huh <laughs> for this one guy that I was dating for a while he it was like it was like oh god this guy could be my husband or whatever mm-hmm. but it was like he always just wanted to hang out in bed and mm-hmm. I was like yo let's go out into the world it sounds like the guy I like lost my virginity to in like late high school early college oh yeah no one wanted to fuck me in high school which it was kind of mutual like I didn't, <laughs> didn't want to fuck anyone there either it was I went to a very boring high school and so I had to outsource and start to <laughs> I had to outsource yeah hang out with people at other high schools and I I lost my virginity to this very cute Russian guy and we were like in his mom's basement listening to magical mystery tour on vinyl <laughs> oh my god but yeah like i i obviously was like enamored with not obviously because you don't have to be in love with the person you lose your virginity to but i was like low-key enamored with this person uh-huh. and um, was like huh we only hang out at night that's weird <laughs> and I'm like, yeah right <laughs> i know this guy was like offended i was like I remember this one guy was like, okay, can we just like chill it back? Like, let's just like go, let's not have sex. Let's not go to your, each other's houses. Like, let's just go on a walk. Mm-hmm. Let's just go on dates. Like, let's get to know each other. And he was like offended. He like couldn't deal with it. He like didn't see me again. And I was like, yep, this is not going to work. You know? I like to, something I like to do is like sex is super important to me, even Same. though I like, intentionally haven't been having it for a minute. Sex is really important to me. And I like to sort of get it out of the way. So I'm like, I'm not really like a one night stand person. I'm not really like a random hookups kind of a person, even though there have been people in my life who have like just served that purpose. And, you know, we mutually serve that purpose in each other's lives. And it's understandable. It's understanding. It's, it is an understanding and whatever. Some people you just fucking that's fine. But like people who I'm maybe looking to have more with, it is very important that we're sexually compatible. It's like really important. Oh yeah, absolutely. I would say I'm the opposite of you though. Yeah. You like I to feel get to know like, people? What? You like to get to know people? I do like to get to know people, but I feel like I am not, um, I do not shy away from just hooking up with people necessarily, depending on the phase of the moon or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I feel like when I encounter somebody that I have a strong connection with, I'm like, let's take it slow. Oh, I like that. Like, I'm like, we can just make out. We can just hold hands. We can just go to dinner. Like, we got all the time to, like, get to that. Like, let's not even, like, I just, like, savor. I love savoring, like, the steps. That's yeah. That's really kind of like or like I love savoring like like don't take off all your clothes right away. It's like yeah. one piece at a time. Like yeah. let's just enjoy like like let's be grateful for every single part. Oh, I love because that because it's like so nice. I don't need to rush it. I'm like because that's how I that's just that's just what I start doing. Mm-hmm. And some guys are like weirded out by that. They're like, oh, you don't like me. Oh, blah blah blah. They don't say that, but I can tell that that's what it is. It's like no no no. I like you a lot actually. That's why I'm like savoring you. Whereas some other people, it's really just a very quick <laughs> transaction. Yeah, you don't even have to know their names. It's like, bye. Yeah, like we're in New York, you know, city. Yeah. It's a whole different level of that, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, 
how do you feel about love or like serious relationships in New York? Love, serious relationships, dating. I feel like there's so many people who are like, it's impossible to find a relationship here. Dating is crazy. There's like all these narratives, but what is your, what's your take on the New York queer scene? Well, there's so many little pockets of the the New York queer scene. There's definitely like, I feel like, like the more tender queers tend to find each other. They're like, oh, you like to knit? I like to knit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And then they kind of find each other and then hole up. Um, (laughs) No pun intended, hole up. (laughs) Oh, my God. But, like, I mean, my experience, I have been around, like, the kinky queers. And I've been around, like, like, kinky polyamorous anarcho queer people and um yeah it's so funny how how many fun things have started because i like happened to be at a kink party and happened to hook up or have a scene with someone and then like kind of like what i was saying before like making sure we're sexually compatible before like there's people who i've hooked up with for the first time at like a party in like a semi-public space that ended up like being something more significant in my life which has been interesting. Um, it I don't miss being like a like a drunk straight person. I mean, I was never straight for sure. I was always like some level of queer, but like when I was like in my twenties, like female presenting and still drank, it was like shooting fish in a barrel. I would just like go on OK Cupid and find cute boys, and then we would like go get drunk together, and I would sleep with them or I wouldn't sleep with them. And it's like it was, was this so in easy. New York? Yeah, this is in New York. Okay, in like the early tens, and um, yeah, it was just a lot easier. But um, I don't really do the apps. I kind of just like really you don't do the apps no i don't do the apps amazing i have scruff but that's just to like scope out who's cute near me if i'm bored like anywhere if i happen to be like out of the city or i'll just like click on the trans tab and say hi to all my friends (laughs) (laughs) oh hey what's up you're you're bored too what's going on but um or like if i'm yeah if i'm in a city and i like want to see what's going on i'll like open it up but i've i've only like met a couple of people irl through the app um i don't know it i really like an organic connection and even if like i don't know say i meet someone and then we meet at a show but like pretty much the rest of everything leading up to our possible hookup is online like like we meet irl chat on some form of communication until IRL means in real life, just in case people don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> you meet IRL and and we're like, oh, this person's cute or whatever. And then we start talking, but we're not talking, like we're not calling each other on the phone. We're like texting each other through Instagram or something. Uh-huh. And then maybe something will happen, maybe something won't happen. That's been my experience. But um, like I know for sure. There are people who would date me and there are people who find me attractive, but I have just been very much closing myself off to that Uh Um, in, yeah, cocooning, like you were saying. And I'm 31 and a transsexual, and I've mostly dated other trans people. I think trans people are amazing, wonderful, beautiful humans, but I'm open, I'm open to like pretty much any, any gender, but it just so happens that I have mostly dated trans people in the past. 
few years. And I feel like we all will date each other. <laughs> it's inevitable. Do you feel like, because I'm sober as well, do you feel like your stopping of using apps is in any way like related to getting sober? No, I mean, maybe. Because you said you were talking about, I used to drink and you know what I mean, blah, blah, blah. Or... Yeah. I mean, like, I never really had a problem. Like, I do have an addictive personality and anything that feels good, I want to do until it doesn't feel good anymore. But I've never really felt that way about sex. I've never really felt like uh, an addiction to sex. Like, obviously, I, I, but at the same time, I have like a pretty high sex drive and I'm pretty horny all the time. But I feel like of all the things that I'm addicted to and of all the like substances I've used and drinking I've done, like I've never really felt like addicted to sex on any way. I can take it or leave it, but I enjoy it. Um, but the, it, I guess it, me not being on the apps does kind of have to do with sobriety because I've put all of this time and effort into myself and like the way I act in the world and the way I act in relationships because so much of my drinking did have to do with relationships. And I just feel like I know who the fuck I am right now and I know what I deserve. And because I've put in all this work, I feel like I deserve like an equal. I feel like I deserve to be in a power couple. And I feel like I'm just not. Yes, power couple. Yes. Power couple forever. <laughs> and I feel like I'm just not going to find that on any app. Preach. Oh my God. Yes. I agree. I agree. Even if the person is on there, I don't think the connection, that type of connection would be made on an app. Yeah. I just don't think, I agree. I'm on the apps right now, but I agree with you. I also, I am much more intrigued by the people that I meet in person. It feels so much more organic. Like if I'm meeting someone that I've only met on an app, it's like, great. What are your food allergies? <laughs> right. I wonder how you get to like, but like, like what gives you the courage or the chutzpah to like get out there without the apps? And because you, it sounds like you're just like very, you're like, yep, it's cool. I just, I don't need, you know, whatever, you know, what gives you, is it because you've been doing so much work on yourself, do you think, or? And I just don't have a scarcity mentality about it. Like, okay. I just, like, I, I've made this decision to like not pursue anything the past couple months. I don't have a scarcity mentality about it. I, I know that it's gonna happen when it should happen. Not like, not like there's going to be some sort of divine light from the clouds and like out will pop the perfect person. But like, I just know that I'm not going to be alone forever, but I need to be alone right now. Well, that's good to know. But if anyone has a crush on me who's listening to this, feel free to, like, tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Same, though. Same. <laughs> I feel like people, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I put on kind of a friend. I do, like, make myself very unavailable. Um, I make myself really available for friend-type things. But uh -huh. I... I definitely make myself very unavailable for anything beyond. Even with this person I'm in love with, there have been so many times in our conversations where I could have delved deeper if they were like talking about an ex or like talking about what kind of porn they liked or whatever. There's There have been so many times where I could have delved deeper and like planted some seeds, but just haven't because I know that what I'm able to offer right now is not my what I'm fully able to offer in a relationship because of where I'm at mental health wise. 
do you feel like that brings people to you more though? Like that, like, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Because sometimes... Closing myself off, do you think that brings people to me? Yeah. I don't know. I'm pretty oblivious. You're pretty (laughs) oblivious? (laughs) I'm also very oblivious to if people like me or not. And... Really? Uh, I feel like I am too, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I feel like the more that I chase after something, the more that it goes away. And sometimes the more that I like, I'm like, whatever, the more that people are like knocking on the door. Yeah. Well, right now, I I mean, no one's knocking on the door because we're all terrified of dying. <laughs> Thank God. I, that is not, by the way, my experience in the mountains. Like <laughs> the, all these guys in the mountains like are like, they're like, come over blah 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 it's just and i'm just like yo isolating like no and they're like a little sex couldn't hurt and i'm like yeah it could actually like that's exactly what could hurt (laughs) (laughs) just like thirsty up here and i'm like yo you guys have to stop yeah i can only imagine like what's what's the because they have mileage of like where people are located right yeah they're like yeah yeah, they're like 10 miles away and they're like, like, just let me come over, blah, blah. I'm like, no, you can't come into this compound. No, just get out of here. So yeah. it's funny. So maybe people are fucking, but I'm not one of them. I'm no, not me neither. I'm not about to spread this to, to people, to vulnerable people in my life. No, same. So I feel like we've covered like a lot of ground. Um, one thing we didn't is the thing about role models growing up. Yes, with- that's what I wanted to ask you. What are yeah! your role models? And they don't role have to models- be just your parents. They can be beyond that too. Yeah, like I'm definitely not going to like throw my parents under the bus, but there were a couple of things they could have maybe done. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, they like... <laughs> I don't know, like, I've done a lot of work on my relationship with them, but, like, looking, and, like, I don't have kids, I don't plan on having kids, I can't imagine what that does to a person, um, like, I love all my friends who have kids, they seem like great parents, but, like, like, the way my parents did it, maybe, maybe I would do it a little differently, but, like, (laughs) they were, like, um... Well, what did it look like? What did your parents look, like, what was the role, what was... Um, there was, like... A, like a lot of isolation there there's definitely like which is funny because that's where you're at right now yeah we're very isolated there wasn't like I don't know I grew up thinking that I hated one parent more than the other but then like through therapy and stuff I'm like oh wait you're both kind of weren't doing the best <laughs> um but yeah there was just like it was like a lot of transactional love and a lot of which is weird because when you're a kid you don't really even have anything to transact with um yeah there's like a lot of transactional love and like if I didn't act a certain way I wouldn't be shown love and that's hard when you're a queer kid because you're like uh something's different about me like I don't fit into this puzzle what's going on um even if you don't have like the words for it but yeah there was like a lot of absentee parenting going on my parents both worked a lot I have two siblings and so they're just like kind of kind of not there and that sort of like I mean, they're they're great people, obviously. I love them both very much. But, like, yeah, they weren't really around. And so that's just, like... And they, there wasn't really a whole lot of love in their relationship. Like, I don't know what their love looks like. It's not for me to say they're in... I'm not going to, like, be like, they're in a loveless marriage. Because, like, I don't know. I don't know what their love looks like. They've been married 40 years. So I don't know what their love looks like. But from... It wasn't very affectionate. And I'm a very affectionate person. Um, But yeah, there wasn't, it didn't seem like they were in love. It just seemed like they were fighting a lot. 
and just kind of angry a lot at each other. And that kind of made me be attracted to people who weren't really there for me, like whether it was like friendships or relationships, I kind of always gravitated towards people who like didn't have time for me because that's all I knew from my, and so I, yeah, and I continued that on and on, like just super duper attracted to emotionally unavailable people because that's who I was raised by and that's all I knew. And I don't know, it's just like, even before I quit drinking, um, someone recommended me the book Codependent No More and I just like furiously underlined so many things in there. And I just, yeah, I have this thing about me that, um, you know, like the Babadook in the basement, if you, if you will, well, I'll always sort of have this like caretakery aspect of me I'll always sort of have this codependent aspect of me, but I can sort of reframe it and be super duper aware of it and use it um, to put more love in the world instead of like resentment in a relationship with another person. Cool. Sounds like you've been doing some work. (laughs) I don't know, have I? (laughs) Well, it sounds like you're at least aware. Yeah. Bottom line is you can't really control other people. Like you control, you can control yourself and your actions and that's the end of it. Yes. I feel like the more and more, or as I get older, it becomes more, it becomes essential to know what is your stuff and what is somebody else's. Mm -hmm. And to, to really understand when you're dealing with somebody else's stuff versus your own and when you're projecting onto somebody (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and when you're not, you know, or when you're getting projected on. It's yeah. It's really, like important to know, have a clear sense of that. And when people do have a clear sense of that, it's so hot. Yeah, it is. I've, so hot. Yeah. I, I feel like I've been dating people who are a little bit like works in progress and I love a work in progress. I love a work in progress too. I'm like, yes, because it's always going to be a work in progress. I think. I don't think there's any, I like, I I, know everyone's always a work in progress, but like, like real fixer uppers, like (laughs) (laughs) this, like who my heart melts for are the real fixer uppers. And I'm like, you know, ready to like date maybe like a prefab <laughs> like <laughs> that's already in existence oh my god i would agree with you actually though yeah i yeah i'm i am actually also in like a similar space moving out of like we could buy something a little bit more put together like maybe just a little fixing yeah like like we've done some work like i'm done with the hgtv part of my life like yeah exactly or like yeah somebody who has a house that they fixed up Mm -hmm. and it still needs some more fixing and i'm like that's cute yeah yeah we're all constantly works in progress and like i'm not perfect i still have some fixing up to do for sure like forever and ever for real okay maybe okay so the last question if you could go back to your like 13 year old self when you're like in middle school, freaking out about your hormones and stuff, what would you tell that version of yourself about like love and relationships, whatnot? 
It's funny because like I am who I am at this present moment because of every single thing that I have experienced beforehand. And like that includes struggles. I feel so much like I was absent on the day at school where they explained everything, you know, like I feel like I've really just had the bare minimum to work with in terms of like human interaction and and love. And I've really just had to make a lot of mistakes to get to where I am. And part of me like if you know like if I could go back and be like hey here's some shit I don't I don't know because like all my whatever I've been through has made me who I am now but I don't know um just I would just go back and tell myself to chill out because it's okay that no one wants to fuck you right now soon lots of people will want to fuck you <laughs> and then you'll be having to deal with that <laughs> um but no, I would just, I would definitely stress. I'd be like, hey, obsession and love are two very different things. Oh my God, so important. Yes, agreed. Because yeah, and another, I mean, going back to the question you asked before, like um, in addition to like my parents and whatever, I also had like all of these, not necessarily like even romantic comedies, but just like romantic movies where I was like, oh, that's what a relationship looks like. And it doesn't show any of the like nitty gritty awkward parts, you know, uh-huh. being raised on 90s rom-coms. <laughs> I think a lot of us were. Absolutely. And like, oh, everything just works out. And that's not how it is, honey. (laughs) Okay, hunty. Hunty, that's (laughs) not how she goes. Um, But yeah, no, just, yeah, love and obsession are two, two different things. And I was always like so crush crazy like whoever I had a crush on they were like my everything um and I don't know it, I would lower my standards a lot because I'm like oh this person's finally paying attention to me and it's like no don't lower your standards and I I don't know like I got like passed over a lot in like middle school high school because like I wasn't the ideal of middle school high school beauty whatever the fuck that means like you know people didn't really think of me as someone to like make out with or hook up with I wasn't hot so like no one cared about me super invisible and I would basically just like take whatever I could get and I'd be like oh it's okay this person isn't texting back oh it's okay that this person doesn't pay attention to me it's okay and like I wish I could go back and tell little wrist that you deserve to be happy and you deserve everything and you might not find it now but later on down the line you will Amazing. Maybe. maybe. <clears throat> okay. What is your ideal relationship look like? Oh my gosh, the power couple. <laughs> what is the, What does that mean for you though? Because I feel like that is different from like what does that look like for you? And I mean, like who knows? That could change. But I'm really into this idea right now of someone who has creative pursuits, has like their own friends, has their own life, has their own space. And um, I have also the same things, but I would like something where we can mutually support each other, either like by going to each other's shows, by sharing skills, by like being with each other, like having having like very important, vulnerable conversations that are chock full of honesty and just kind of the willingness to grow together. Cool. Is what I'm looking for in a relationship with a capital R. With a capital R. Yeah. Well, thank you, Riss. This has been amazing. Um, thank you for asking me. This has been really great. Good. I love talking about this kind of stuff. So me too. I- it's the best. I feel like it's the best. That's why it's like I could talk about this stuff forever. It's, I'm so thankful for you and grateful that you did this. It's been great talking to you. 
Love getting your perspective. So thanks right. again. I really appreciate it. Yeah, take care, Tom. Iris. Oh, that was so cute. And it was so good to talk to Riss. I hope you guys got a lot out of that. I know I sure did. Here are some of my top takeaways. I encourage you to create your own. But here's what stood out for me. Number one, it's okay to be in a cocoon phase. If you're going through a transition or you know you need to be alone because you're doing some self-work or whatever it is, it's okay. It's probably the best thing for you. Number two, self-work and self-confidence are so key. But are you dating people who are still major fixer-uppers? I know I've done this in the past. If you've done the work and you're doing the work, you don't have to do it for other people. They need to be doing their own work. It's okay to look for someone who's also been doing the work. Which brings me to number three and maybe my favorite, which is it's okay to hold out for the power couple. Do you guys have common goals? Are you climbing the same mountain? Do you want to be the same types of people? Do you love each other's lives and are you willing to help support them? Oh my God, the power couple is such a great way to look at a relationship goal. Number four. You get to do whatever you want with your exes. Some people say you shouldn't date them or you shouldn't even talk to them, but both Riss and I have very positive experiences being friends with our exes after relationships. And just know what's healthy for you and what's toxic for you. Uh, But being friends with an ex has the potential to add a lot more love in your life. Number five, boundaries are hot. If you know what you want and you know what you don't and you have a good sense of yourself, it can be a huge turn on when you're dating someone. Number six, obsession and love are two different things. Sometimes love can be obsessive and sometimes obsession can be codependence. It's worth it to know the difference between love and obsession. Number seven, some great new uh, relationship terms. Uh, Relationship with a capital R for a significant relationship and NRE for new relationship energy. And my favorite image of that being the pink sparkly bathtub. I love it. Number eight, if you are looking for a good read, please go out and get All About Love, New Visions by Bell Hooks. It is is exceptional it's one of the best books i've ever read and like my friend patrick you probably will write uh, mantras on post-its and repeat them every day it's that good and number nine if you got a crush on risk go ahead and let them know or let me know maybe i'll hook you up and if you got a crush on me you can let me know that too i mean why not what do you have to lose And lastly, if this episode is more of an introduction to you to the queer experience, the queer perspective, or the queer lifestyle, then you might have some research to do. If you don't know what the term trans is, or cisgendered, or female presenting, or kink is, it might be time for you to do some research. And just know that it's the general outlook of the queer community that it is not our job to do the emotional labor of making you feel comfortable with our lives. We've done enough work in our own hearts and our own lives to just live and love the way that we are. So go do some research. Ask somebody about it. Go do what you can on your own. 
if you keep listening to this podcast, you will be introduced more and more to the queer perspective because that's just where I come from and it's a lot of the people that I know. But be proactive and be positive. This podcast is all about love. So if this brings up any judgment or hate, you might want to take a moment to look at that within yourself and you might have some heart work to do. And you know what? That's all right. We're all learning all the time. And if you can open your heart to a new perspective, I think that that is admirable. Well, that's really all we've got for today. Thank you again so much to Riss for coming on the show. And if you want to stay connected, feel free to like the Facebook page to keep updated on episodes. Or you can go to heartworkmovement.com to sign up for the email list. I promise that that is coming. And beyond that, episodes will be dropping on Tuesdays. So you can look for the next episode uh, this next Tuesday. Until then, I'm sending you a bunch of love from my heart to yours. And if you can... Do what you can to spread a little more love in the world. It sure does need it.